Get ready to get your questions answered by financial advisors. Learn how to put more money back in your pockets regardless of where you're starting your financial journey with your host, Hannah Mitria. Well, welcome back everybody to the virtual U.S. Financial Advisor podcast. I'm so excited to have Kyle Beckhusen here with me. Kyle is a certified financial planner at Wright & Associates. And so he'll be sharing with us some things about Roth IRAs, different strategies, backdoor options, where to get started, all those things. So welcome Kyle to the show. Thank you, Hannah. Happy to be here. Thanks for uh, asking me to come on. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to hear about all these different things. But before we jump into them, do you want to give us a little background on like, you know, how you got started in the finance world? What was that like? Yeah, I, not to go too far back, but started my college career as an engineer. And I lasted about two to three semesters, realized I liked math and numbers, but wanted to work more with people. So naturally I switched over to finance. And the summer after I did that, I got a financial internship at a Fortune 500 company. I interned with them for about two years, and then they offered me a full-time position as a financial representative, essentially selling insurance. So did that for a few years, and then about five years in, started to get licensed and credentialed, got my certified financial planner designation, and then realized to build a practice that I wanted to build and help people manage their wealth where I was at probably wasn't going to be the best fit long-term. So I started looking outside of the company and some, a friend introduced me to Wright Associates and the owner was looking to retire soon. And so they were looking for another advisor to come in and help handle some of those relationships along with continuing to build the practice. And it was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up. So. I moved over to them. They're an independent Friday. Well, it's impressive you made it uh, three semesters as an engineer still, because that's not an easy feat to be had. <laughs> uh, but I can relate to the accounting. Like when I took accounting in business school, that was my easiest class. It was so much fun, like looking at the numbers and doing the numbers. So some days I'm surprised I didn't end up jumping ships because my father's a math teacher, my sister's a math teacher. It was definitely in my direction to go math. (laughs) But I'm glad I didn't. And I get to talk to people like you who are, you know, sharing these finance things with us. So what are some of your specialties? So you you jumped to Ryan and Associates, kind of helped them take over the business and kind of keep it going after they retired. And you got your certified financial planner designation. So, like, what are some of your specialties now at Wright & Associates? Yeah, so essentially, we're really zoned in on working with 50 to 70-year-olds who are about 5 to 10 years from retirement and typically have about a million dollars, at least, of assets. And they're people that have done a really good job in their careers. They saved a good amount of money, and we help them go from good to great. They're just not sure what exactly are those next steps to do moving into and through retirement. And so we do a lot with helping them continue to save money, pay less in taxes, convert money from their IRA to their Roth, kind of sign up for Medicare and Social Security. And there's so many nuances there. And so that's really our specialty now. And I know what we were talking to, like I know you said right there, you primarily work with, you know, 50 to 60 year olds who are going into retirement already. But when we talk, even you're talking about how if somebody's getting started, you kind of recommend that Roth IRA to them too, as like a really great starting point. So do you see yourself work with like 
people younger to just getting started or is it really just primarily the 50 to 60? Yeah, so we essentially it's interfamily generational wealth. Okay. So we'll work with, say, the parent who is in their 70s and retired, and then they want to pass that wealth on to their kid who is in their 50s, which is basically that kid in their 50s. And then we help the other kid in their 50s to their kid in their 30s. And so they have really have this family generational wealth. And so early on, we'll still help the kids in their 20s or 30s start setting up savings plans because their parents and their grandparents want them to be good stewards with this wealth that is going to be coming down to them, but still learn these good savings habits. And so that's where the Roth comes in. The Roth really comes in at all stages of life. Okay. And I don't know if it would be helpful, but what even is a Roth IRA? That was a question I had in my head. The little giveaway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's something, it's one of those buzzwords you hear a lot about with this. It's a tax shelter. So you can go online, you can go to Schwab or Vanguard or Fidelity and click open a Roth IRA account. Just like opening a bank account. You open an account and, and you put money into the account. You're only allowed in this year to put $6,500 into the account. So put okay. money into the account. And once it's in there, you can invest it however you want. So you can buy stock in Apple, um, you can buy mutual funds, you can buy ETFs, index funds, pretty much anything is available to invest that cash. And then while that money is growing inside the Roth, there's no taxes. Mm -hmm. So that money grows tax-free literally forever until you decide to pull it out. And typically, you can't touch the money until you're 59 and a half years old without any penalties. So at 60 years old, you can pull that money out. Let's say it's grew to become a million dollars. That's all your money, no taxes. You keep Uncle Sam out of it completely. And so it's really nice way of saving money every year. It doesn't mm -hmm. come so without paying any taxes. Unlike maybe a 401k to your employer or a traditional IRA, where you put money in, you get a tax deduction, make $100,000 a year, put $6,500 into a traditional IRA, you can deduct that from your income. So you, all, you only made $93,500 for the year because you can deduct that $6,500. And then that money grows inside the traditional IRA, also tax deferred. When you take it out, it's all taxed. So if you have a million dollars in an IRA, traditional IRA, and you're in the 20% tax bracket and you take it all out, you only get $800,000 after tax. Mm -hmm. $1 dollars in a Roth IRA, and you're in the 20% tax bracket, and you take it all out, you get your full million dollars. And so it's just a simple tax shelter. Mm -hmm. Also, though, our income limits around it, because it's such a good, so it's no jokes, the guy in Texas with the last name Roth did this Roth IRA account. It's only been around, I don't know, like 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And the IRS is like, whoa, like this is way too good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, you can put money in, there's no taxes. And so they put all these restrictions on it. So if you're married filing jointly, and if you make over $218,000 for the year, mm -hmm. you can put the full amount of $6,500 into the account. If you're below that level, no problem. You can throw money in. Mm -hmm. For a single individual filing single, it's 138000 is your limit. Um, so there's income limits on it. And you run into that a lot, especially nowadays, just with people getting paid more, typically. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm not talking a lot about this, but 
if you're above that income limit, which is a phase out. So if you make between $218,000 and $228,000, then you can't put any money above $228,000 into a Roth IRA. And you have to do the back door Roth IRA. Yeah, you're answering so many questions. Like I keep having questions and then you answer. Then I have a question, you okay. answer. So this is great. And I was going to say, like, this is probably the most easy way I've ever heard a Roth explained because so many people talk about Roth IRAs and things like that, but it, it always seems so unachievable when I'm sitting here going, oh my goodness, why am I putting stuff in a savings account? I should probably put in a Roth IRA. But then not being able to pull it out, it's like, okay, so you should only put as much as you can live without for the next 20 years in this Roth IRA. So technically, you can actually pull out money after five years and you can pull out what's called your basis. Okay. So put in the $6,500 and that's all you do. And five years later, you want to pull out $5,000. You can do that. No penalties, no taxes, because that's how much you put in. Well, okay. And then you can also pull out money if, it, if you're buying a home for the first time. Mm-hmm. So put in $6,500 and then you decide, oh, next year I want to buy this house. Um, you can actually pull out the money and the gains mm-hmm. to, I think it's $10,000 of the limit. I'll have to double check that. But you can pull money out for the first time buying a home. So there are some special restrictions, mm-hmm. but abilities to get that money earlier without any penalty. Does that go towards your earned income then on your taxes that year? Like, cause I know, like, so we pulled money out from our 401k to put it down on our first house when we bought it, but that money we pulled out then attributes to your tax still. Like, because that's money now that, you know, you made or things like that. Yeah, no, because the money in the Roth, you already pay tax on because money going in after tax mm-hmm. and you're not taking any deductions for it. Okay. So any money that you pull out would also be not taxable income. Okay. So, so okay. So you said that, you know, you put the money in the Roth after you've already paid taxes on it. So that means that you pay taxes the first year you put it in there, but then never pay taxes again. Right. So think about it like, let's say you make $100,000. Mm-hmm. Um, you have taxes taken out of your income. So after taxes, let's say you take home $80,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And then just to make the math easier on myself, let's just say you're taking home after tax deposited in your bank account $5,000 a month. That's just your net pay after taxes and everything's taken out of your income. Mm-hmm. $5,000 a month. Now let's say you take $500 of that and put it into a Roth. Mm-hmm. So 500 a month is 6,000 a year. That's what I mean is you're just putting that money that you already received out of your income into the Roth. It's not like you're paying another tax to put money into the Roth. It's just the money that you got from working mm-hmm. what you're putting into the Roth. And so as a business owner, so like I don't pay taxes to the end of the year. So I'm getting mm-hmm. money untaxed. And then at the end of the year, I pay all that tax on it. So how does that affect, I still have to pay taxes at the end of the year on all that money, regardless of putting it into the Roth RA? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So whatever your income is at the end of the year, whatever you pay taxes on, the Roth doesn't help you reduce what you're paying taxes on. Yeah. That was a question I I was thinking, but I didn't say it as good as you said it. (laughs) Because you know, I look at my husband, he works, you know, a W-2 job. I own my business, so I take home a 1099 at the end of the year. He paid taxes all year. I didn't. We always hope that they just kind of even each other out a little bit <laughs> so we don't owe as much tax because we've already paid over from him. But in this scenario, like, so even if we're putting money into the Roth RA, it's not going to reduce that year's taxes. 
It just means that as that money grows, when I take it back out, I don't have to repay tax on it. Correct. Because like, so like we put money in the stock market and I know you can't pull it out for, I think it's a minimum of a year or you get the capital gains tax on it as well. So the newly made money. Yes. Yes. But even if we pull it out, say in five years and we've made a profit on it, we'll have to pay tax on that profit still. But with a Roth, I don't have to pay tax on that profit. Yep. As long as you pull it out after nine and a half years. Nine and a half, yes. Years, yep. Yeah. I can't wait just five years. <laughs> yeah. Five yeah. years, you can access what you put in, just mm-hmm. not the the profit. Yeah. So, like, if I put in, you know, $1,000, keep small, and it, it doubled, I could take 1000 out, leave 1000 in to keep growing. Yep. And then say I need to come back again in another five years. I couldn't take any more out though until I'm 59 and a half because I've taken the initial investment of a thousand. So that five year rule is only from when you open the account. So if you open the account five years ago and you put $5 into it, mm-hmm. satisfies that five year rule. And so in year five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, from when you open the account, you can access the money you put in whenever you want. But only that $5. Right. <laughs> okay. So I can plus, plus any other money you added to it over that time. Over time. Yeah. So if you put a thousand dollars in over ten years, so you have ten thousand dollars in the account. And year five you want to pull out a thousand, year six you want to pull out a thousand, year seven, you could do that. All right. And the one thing you talked about is once someone's I think you said two hundred and eighteen thousand dollars as a married filing jointly. If you're making more than that, you have to use the backdoor methods. However, like before we get to the backdoor methods, do they start capping you on like, so say you have so much in there already, are they going to cap us on like, hey, you can't put any more in here, you've reached your max, without before we get to the back door or like? So the only cap is the 6,500 for the year. And that's the max you're allowed to put in for 2023. Mm-hmm. It too was $6,000. So they actually raised it $500 this year. So once you hit that income threshold, so there's a phase out period between 218,000 and 228. So like, let's say you made 220 for the year. That means you pull 6,500 in. It's going to be a prorated amount. Maybe you can only put like a thousand dollars in for the year. Mm-hmm. And then once you get above 228 of income, and you won't know this until the end of the year. So if your income's close to those numbers, I mean, typically don't even put into the Roth straight away, do the backdoor method. Mm-hmm. If you're well enough below, if you're only at like 175, you'll probably be fine for the year. So go ahead and contribute to the Roth. Mm-hmm. Close to going over that for the entire year, then just go to the backdoor method. Because if you put the money in and then you realize, oh, shoot, I made too much money this year, then you have to take it out and you have to characterization. It's just extra paperwork. Sometimes you have to pay some fees on that. So that's just not worth going down. I've had to have yeah. Usually that's one like, oh, wow, your income went up way more than I thought it was going to. Another question, like, so you mentioned it too, where, you know, as income's raised, it's, it'll be harder to get into an Roth IRA. Uh, but at the same time, like, so I live in Texas, you live in Pennsylvania. I, I feel like our income averages are very similar. But if you get to somewhere like California, having the income that I have in Texas, I'd be homeless. <laughs> There's no way around it. <laughs> Yes. So how does that affect like geographically? Because, you know, you have to make say $200,000 to even live a life in California. 
but they're just pretty much excluded from being able to enter into those Roth IRAs at that point because they make too much income, even though they live in a place where making that much income is equivalent to making the same income that's much lower in another state. Right. Which is why we have the backdoor Roth. So still do it no matter what you're in. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's designed and it'll be curious to see it. So they do raise these thresholds each year. So it was like 200 or it was 198,000. Now it's 218,000. So they do adjust for inflation, just cost of living. That was my next question. Do they raise that? Yeah. yeah. So that threshold's raised each year and they, this past year, like I said, raised the amount you can put in. In scheme of things, everything's relative, but $6,500 for most people is not going to be, you need to save more than that per year to be able to retire one day. So it's just a nice extra place to save some extra money um, in addition to what your employer provides, unless you don't have an employer-sponsored plan. But then, yeah, that's where the backdoor Roth comes in, which is, it sounds shady. I know we've been saying it a bunch now. <laughs> I know, like we're tipping around, so let's jump into it. What is the backdoor Roth? <laughs> It's completely legal. It's a loophole in the tax code. They've been saying they're going to close for over a decade. They haven't yet, so we continue to do it. And essentially, what you do is you open up a traditional IRA. So there's Roth IRA and the traditional IRA. We talked about those earlier. Traditionally, you get the tax deduction from a Roth. There's no tax deduction. So you put that $6,500 into a traditional IRA. Same thing, you go into like Vanguard, Schwab, whatever, open up traditional IRA account, you put the $6,500 into that account, but you do not take the deduction for putting money into the account. Mm. So a non-deductible traditional IRA. Mm. And then once you put the money in there, you wait a couple of days, leave it in cash, and then you do what's called a conversion. Redeem the money from the traditional IRA over to your Roth IRA. Those is transferring money call it conversion you are allowed to do unlimited amounts of conversions so if you had a million dollars in your ira you could move all that over to your Roth. no no issues no penalties um, you can convert an unlimited amount of money so this kind of also gets rid of that cap rule no there's no cap yep yeah so like even if say you're single making a hundred thousand and only need Fifty thousand to live, even though the cap sixty five hundred I'm putting in the Roth, so I could essentially put another ten fifteen thousand in an IRA. No, 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 no. Okay, making sure that's fine. There is uh, there's contributions and there's converts. Okay. So contribution limit is still sixty five hundred. Okay. Conversion limit is unlimited. Uh Um, And so. You put the 6500 into the traditional and you convert that to a Roth. Boom, there you go. Now you have the money in your Roth growing like you normally would. Okay. Let's say you already had a traditional IRA mm-hmm. with $50,000 in it. That's money you have not paid tax on yet. Mm-hmm. Well, you could, if you wanted to, convert or move that $50,000 over to a Roth. Because mm-hmm. you haven't paid any tax on that money yet. That's all counted as taxable income. Okay. Get a hundred thousand for the year, and you move fifty thousand over to your Roth. That fifty thousand gets added onto your income for the year, so you made hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the year. Mm-hmm. The tax on that, so that might not be. It depends on a lot of things, yeah. but that makes no sense. But because you're putting your own money into this mm-hmm. IRA, not take the deduction and moving it to a Roth, 
there's no taxes because you've already essentially paid tax in that. For an IRA, like a traditional IRA, so if you have the $50,000 on there, it's a tax write-off. When you turn 60, if you access the IRA money, you're going to pay taxes on it when you access it then, or it becomes still not taxable years down the road. In a traditional IRA, whenever you start taking money out, all that money will be taxable to you at whatever marginal tax bracket you're in. Okay, got it. So if you have 50000 in the account, you get $1,000 in your tax bracket's 20%, you're going to get $800,000 when you take that money out. Okay. Dollars, yeah, when you take the money out. Okay, so regardless, you're going to pay taxes on it. It's just whether you pay taxes on it today or when you pull it out, kind of figuring out. Exactly, which is but... why well, I thought that's why there's a Roth and why there's a traditional. So for typically young income earners, you're in a low tax bracket, so I would say that's anywhere between twenty-seven yeah, percent and under. Okay. It makes sense to yes, pay taxes today, not take dividends, and put it into things like Roth accounts. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is because tax brackets today are relatively speaking still pretty low, and I mean, paying them. And in twenty twenty-six, we're probably going to see another raise in tax rates um, of maybe three percent on the federal side. We'll see what the administration does at that time. So I'm all about paying taxes now, especially when you're young in the accumulation stage. Mm-hmm. Now, your 50s or 60s, and you're in a 37% tax rate, a Roth probably doesn't make any sense to you because we're just trying to reduce your income mm-hmm. using like traditional IRAs. Yeah. Then when you get to retirement, you're back in a lower tax bracket. <laughs> you're hopefully in a relatively tax bracket than the highest one. Doing Roth conversions and moving money from traditional IRAs or 401ks to Roth strategically keep you in a low tax bracket. Mm-hmm. Taxes then, then let that money grow through your retirement for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Eventually, that money gets passed down to your kids where you spend it, obviously. When it gets so, if it's in a Roth IRA, say something happens, you pass away, it passes to your kids, does it stay in that Roth IRA? So, still tax free. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, which is so nice. So if you pass a Roth to your kids, they're getting tax-free money. Just new this year, the Secure Act 2.0 changed inherited Roth IRA accounts so that after, once they receive that money as their inheritance, they have 10 years to liquidate that account. Okay. So it used to be you could just have that account for that, they have 10 years, which with a Roth account, not a problem. You can take that money out tax-free. Mm-hmm. Most people are inheriting traditional IRA accounts, mm-hmm. that's all taxable income to the beneficiary, to the kid. So if I receive a million dollar inherited accounts from my parents when they passed, and it's in an IRA, I now have 10 years to liquidate that whole account, which wow. means I recognize now that million dollars as income mm-hmm. and I have to tax on, which I still don't mind receiving a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a big chunk of money too, and that raises my tax bracket. So a lot of Parents don't want to necessarily do that to their kids if they can avoid it. And that's why Roths are really good. Thinking though, so okay, so the Roth IRA ends up being passed down to your child. Who's, let's say they're in their 40s. They only have 10 years to get rid of it. But you said if you take it out before the 10 years, you're penalized. But So does that change it? Because if they only have 10 years, they're not going to make it to 60 in that time. So an inherited IRA is different. I think 
Roth IRA is different than your normal Roth IRA. So because you're inheriting this account, there's that 10 year rule on it. So it was, it's basically just like you inheriting anything from your parents, inheriting money. And in a Roth, it's essentially like, Hey, here's a million dollars and you have to get that money out of this account and you have 10 years to do it. Uh-huh. It's just one of the new rules now. But if you have your own Roth IRA, that's completely separate from an inherited Roth IRA, which I know makes it a little more confusing, which is why I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. You're you're really explaining it in a way that I think most people will be able to like consume and understand. And, and like it gets me excited to want to go invest in a Roth IRA now that I truly understand what it is. Like I've heard IRA, Roth IRA, all these things, but like it never truly made sense. And if one thing I've heard is, you know, opening up Roth IRAs for your kids. And so like the question I have is like, who can start a Roth IRA? And then how, how would you do that for your child? Like I my daughter's 15, I own my own business. I know if you make under a certain amount, it's not taxed to begin with. So I think it's like under 3000 or is it higher than that? Yeah, that's a good question. I forget that number as well. Okay. And I look it up, but you do have to have earned income in order to contribute to a Roth IRA, unless you're a spouse. So mm-hmm. if you're your spouse wasn't so my wife was she stayed home with our kids and she wasn't working at the time so I you can still open up a spousal Roth IRA and contribute to that but for your kids they do have to have earned income in order to contribute to a Roth IRA for them yeah that earned income it can be anything if they make a thousand dollars for the year great you can put a thousand dollars into a Roth IRA uh-huh. Yeah, like our business owners would like use their kids in photos for their what they're selling, and they become the model, and they pay them to be a model, so they have that earned income. That's that's right. Yep. So yeah, we had someone do that, and as a bad maybe you told me about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say this sounds really familiar, Anna. Yeah. (laughs) Like I think you told me. Like somebody told me. You told me. You told me, Kyle. Yeah. You can figure out creative ways of paying your kids in your business. Obviously, making sure that it's you know consult your CPA and legal but um yeah as long as they have earned income you can contribute to a Roth. yeah and if their in- earned income is uh, under the level of taxable income and in a way it becomes tax-free going into the Roth still or you still have to pay taxes before you put it in there oh man i love the way you're thinking sorry <laughs> no, 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 that, that's great so it, they do have to they do have to show that they have earned uh, on a tax return so i actually am not sure if it's so you have to file your taxes still. And even if they don't owe any taxes, as long as they show that they have earned income on a tax return, they would be able to contribute to a Roth. Okay. Gotcha. And then one question. So you mentioned like, so the whole time we're talking about like joint income has to be this, if it's over this threshold, you can't contribute. However, you mentioned then how your spouse can have Roth RA, I can have Roth RA. So both of us can contribute 6,500 or still is it combined? You both can. So- okay. Yeah, if your income level is below the 218 threshold, you can put 6500 in and your husband can put 6500 in. So you can actually get 13 grand into Roth IRAs, but you each would have your own Roth IRA. Okay. Okay, I've asked a lot of questions. Is there anything that you think we were missing on like this Roth IRA side of it that I should know about, everybody listening should know about? Yeah, a lot of times the only last thing I'll add here is kind of order of operation or my rules of thumb that I give to people saving money is if they are a W-2 employee and their employer has 
employer-sponsored retirement plan, such as a 401k or 403b or 457, contribute to that account up to the full match. Usually it's 3%. And then after you've done that, I recommend they contribute to a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. The why I say contribute up to the full match is that it's free money, so you might as well get what your employer's going to give you. Yeah. Put into a Roth IRA up to the max. So... Make sure you're maxing out your account at 6500 for the year and then do it for your spouse. Once you've done that and if you need to save more money, then go back to putting extra money into your 401k. And then also new this year is some 401k providers now match Roth money in the 401. So I'll just throw that out there. We don't have to go into it, but it's just another piece. But those are the main things is... I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, man, I wish I started doing this sooner, including myself. Like, I wish I had done this earlier. Um, in my early 20s when I had earned income, um, I didn't start doing this until basically after college. Um, and so, yeah, do it as soon as you can and try to max it out every year as soon as you can as well. Awesome. Okay, so tell people, you know, who's your ideal client, who's somebody that should be reaching out to you, and then how can they reach out to you about yeah, so as I essentially mentioned, that 50 to 70-year-old range. Or I will say our other clientele that we do a decent amount of work with are those professionals that are in publicly traded companies or they're about to IPO, and so they have a lot of stock options. And stock options is a whole other category of what to do with current dates and selling, ISOs and RSUs, and so we do a lot of work in that um, because literally you'll have a client at a tech company that can become a millionaire overnight once their company goes public. And we've essentially had that happen with before. Now, like, whoa, what do I do? Like, now it says I have a million dollars on paper. What are the tax ramifications? And so those are really the two areas, mainly retirees, um, but also people with, with stock options. And then you can find us online. It's uh, ksrightassociates.com, right with a W, our office. One two eight five four twenty one hundred. Yeah, we have a Facebook, we have a LinkedIn page, but Google Right Associates. We're located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but we work with clients across the country. We only have about one hundred fifty clients, and we manage about a quarter billion of assets. We are pretty particular about who we bring on, <laughs> but uh, if they're a good bit, we I always tell like we like working with people that have money that are really nice. <laughs> Don't like working with the jerks. <laughs> You know, if you have a lot of money, but you're paying to work with, sorry, that's where this not going to be. Awesome. Well, I will be making sure that all of your information, contact information are in the show notes. So anybody that's listening that goes, I need to work with Kyle, um, don't be a jerk and call him. <laughs> and it's a roommate will be down there. Thank you so much, Kyle, for making Roth IRA so much more digestible and understandable. And I'm excited to look into how I can make this work for me now that I truly understand it. And anyone listening, reach out to Kyle. And thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it, Anna. Thank you for joining us this week on the Virtual U.S. Financial Advisor Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. We'd love rating on iTunes, or better yet, tell a friend about the show, which will help us grow as well. If you want to learn from any of our financial advisors, head over to our website, virtualusfinancialadvisor.com, to learn more about each financial advisor and connect with them personally. Be sure to tune in next week to get more advice from the expert financial advisors. See you on the next episode.